Hello, Annie Trenders! Welcome back to the Anime Trending Podcast. It is me, James, your perennial host, and joining me are the usual suspects. Hi, everyone. This is Gracie hopping back and forth between Girl Taku and Anime Trending Podcast, and we also have. And this is Nico, and I almost stole that verbatim from Agnes from Girl Taku, but uh, uh, you kind of put me on the spot, even though we do the same intro every week. It's here for another week of the Anime Trending Podcast. One of these days, like, I keep thinking about trying to, like, change up how I do my intro, and then I never plan anything, and so I just default to saying you're perennial host, Mm -hmm. which I'm trying to remember why I even started calling myself that, but I guess that's what I am now. It's like how I call all the listeners any trenders. I don't remember who actually came up with that, Um, but... I I I think it fits. I mean... I think when you say, like, the words perennial host, at least it's not necessarily implying you're, like, anime overlord, because that would that would affect, like, what we're thinking is, like, the anime trending hierarchy. Because if that's the case, that sounds like an official challenge to everyone. Almost like we're going to have some sort of, like, tournament art bracket fight, and then once we're done, then, then Quok, our actual anime overlord, is just going to, like, emerge... And then smack down the, the final challenger. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just reenact some sort of like WWE-esque sequence. It'll be it'll be great in our in our I would be more than if if we had like a an anime trending wrestling thing, I would be more than happy to play the heel. <laughs> there, there's something about being the character that everybody loves to hate. It's just ah. Oh. This is like a side subject, but like do you ever remember when like some of the conventions would do like cosplay wrestling federation? Yeah. Which is yeah, like yeah. the whole it's like a whole so for people who don't know, so this is like a panel group that does stuff at conventions, um, anime conventions, where they will do like a WWE kind of smackdown style of a show, but they're acting like they are the characters they are cosplaying. So you have people like Super Mario or Phoenix Wright or um there was one that was um oh the egg guy what's his, his name called the lazy egg Eggman? no the the egg guy that's like super lazy it's on t-shirts which which it's series? like it's not even an anime it's like i i can't believe oh gudetama yeah gudetama yeah so i was like i can't believe i forgot gudetama there's one literally the lazy egg yeah, literally Gudetama in a wrestling ring. Uh, but one of the heel characters they have is just like a guy who shows up just covered in garbage and he, they, he's just called your waifu. <laughs> <laughs> he's just supposed to represent everything. But I mean, he's just like the obvious heel. So like the, the crowd just gets into it. It's crazy. Um, yeah. I, I know you said it's off topic, but it's not actually because one of the one of the announcements that I guess I wanted to make before we get into the podcast is uh, there's going to be some, like, scheduling upheaval because it is now late spring, early summer, which means that it's convention season, which means that I'm going to be traveling a lot and won't be available to record for a couple of weeks. So there's going to potentially be some gaps in uh, in our, our in our broadcast. Uh, but it does mean that afterwards you get to hear fantastic episodes about all the conventions that have been happening. Or we could just do it live. I mean, because the other thing that... Because I feel like we could announce this now, right? About I don't know if we have if we have permission to. Okay, well, without Secret saying desk. the specific thing, we're hosting a panel at a convention coming up soon. We will have to figure out what the heck we're gonna do for that. Um, yeah, because it's not gonna necessarily be like <laughs> us riffing in front of a crowd because like that'd be kind of wild. Um, 
That would be terrifying. I'm but not gonna lie. We have to get all that stuff down because, like, I I'm excited to kind of put on that stuff because it almost feels like we've, uh, as an organization, kind of like bluffed our way into this seat. Uh, Fake it till you make it, and we've made it. And we've uh, <laughs> we've made it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm super excited to share the news once um, we have that all finalized out. But we got the message like earlier this week, and so now we are in planning mode. So look forward to a future announcement for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so conventions are coming up. I'm going to be at Anime Central in a couple weeks. And then after that, uh, Nick and I are going to be at, um, Fanime. So it'll be very exciting. We'll, we'll try to keep you in the loop on that. Um, so look forward to that. Anyway, on to the thing that normally starts the episode, which is the chart check. Uh, this is our chart for week four. This is May 7th, 2023. Uh, let's get the show on the road. We have in first place, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, Season 2. In second place, we have Oshinoko. In third place, we have Hell's Paradise. In fourth place, we have Skip and Loafer. In fifth place, we have My Love Story with Yamada-kun at level 999. In sixth place, we have Tengoku Daimakyo. Uh, In seventh place, we have Insomniacs After School. In 8th place, we have Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, Swordsmith Village Arc. Uh, in ninth place, as a second core anime, we have Vinland Saga Season 2. In ninth place for new anime this season, we have The Dangers in My Heart. And then in 10th place, we have Mashal Magic and Muscles. So, uh, I am very happy to see... Uh, a show that I have not seen a single episode of at number one, which is uh, Witch from Mercury, <laughs> mostly because I'm pretty sure it's not going to be there. What two weeks from now? Because next week they're taking the episode, they're, they're taking the week off or something. Yeah, right? so this week should be the. Um, I think by the like time recap. this episode airs, then the this that episode, which would be like they the air week on of... the day that our charts come out, so it's always a week behind because of that. So oh, got it, out. got it. So this this week is like whatever the huge dramatic thing that happened, and then next a couple days ago, yeah, a couple yeah. a couple days ago. Um, there's some... So it means the week six chart won't have anything, won't have an entry for it, unless people just really like that recap so much that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a voting option. If it's a, recap. I, I don't I think we'll make it of an option. I'm pretty sure we usually don't. No um, recaps yeah. are uh, taken off the polls no matter what. So, mm-hmm. yeah, which I think personally, I think it's really funny because of the timing. Uh, I'm not the only one that's noticed this. I think a couple of people online, which is like the day that there isn't an episode of The Witch from Mercury, is Mother's Day in the U.S. Um, which I am not follow. I'm not watching the show, but because I have friends who do. It is very funny that after apparently an episode or set of episodes specifically about mom, uh, we don't have an episode on Mother's Day. Yeah, and that's like the big thing with the show is like there's 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 a lot of objectively terrible parents. Um, so I think even by Father's Day, you'll have some pretty funny things to say on it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely not very not very uh, thematic on Mother's Day to say the least. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I'm happy to see, again, another show that I haven't seen any of. Uh, I promise, okay, dear listeners, however many of you there are, I promise you this, 
by the time we record another episode of this podcast, I will be caught up on at least three shows. I watched all, all the shows stuff. except for number one. <laughs> yeah, we had another offline conversation about how Gracie doesn't watch sci-fi. Yeah, it was like she just says that. Like, like you have all of the most balanced, nuanced takes. And then also Gracie's like, I don't like any sci-fi. And it's just like several people are typing at once in this group yeah. chat. <laughs> uh, well, Agnes was doing it more to explain my side because she gets it. Because we've had... We've also had extensive conversations about that because she was like, oh, yeah, I yeah. Didn't expect that at all. I'm like, girl, like, I cannot click with that genre. <laughs> like, well, the way that, how drastically my interest falls the second they start, they start doing world building of the sci-fi world. I'm like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> so I don't need to know about this. I don't care about this. <laughs> which, which I find to be absolutely hysterical because I'm basically the opposite. Uh, and you and I, I think Gracie have had this conversation before, which is why when it came up again, I'm like, we've gone over this. Gracie doesn't like sci-fi stuff, trying to figure out why. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like, I love the world building no. in different series, which is why I consistently have a lot of like low middle, like mediocre quality isekai, like on my like manga reading list is because I'm super invested for like the first like one or two story arcs when they are establishing the world and like explaining how everything works and explaining all of the politics and like getting all that exposition and i'm like oh this is great i love how they're building this and how is it different from all the other ones and then as soon as we get into the story like the actual character interactions it has to work really hard to grab my attention or i will just drop it um, and we are opposites because it's specifically the story and the character interactions I'm looking for. So if you're not giving me that and you're just like word vomiting about the world, I'm just like, go, go can you please be a little faster about this? I'm not interested in this. So. I would, I would gladly watch like an anime version of just like a walking tour, oh, just like no, make up no, that would kill a me. fictional, that would kill me. a fictional world. <laughs> And then just, like, point of view shot, like, a walking tour, and then, like, maybe a little bit of, like, nature documentary narration over it of just, like, as you can see on the left is this fictional castle we made up. In this fictional calendar year, this fictional king had it built. Or if you go, like, way different, it's, as you can see on the outside of the spaceship, you can see this fictional planet on this fictional year, this fictional space explorer discovered it. Like, that's, I'm all about that. Um, but anyway... Yes, Gracie doesn't watch sci-fi, uh, and so I feel like an I have an obligation to to make up for that, and I'm failing that obligation <laughs> terribly, horribly. Well, I mean, I do think this season is very strong in regards to I I think one through six are honestly all potential contenders, potentially even seven in regards to the four nomination spot we have. Like, I don't see any of them trying to become less competitive uh, throughout the whole season, so. Um, and also, uh, good news is for James as well is uh, the dangers in my heart. I actually really like the show now. <laughs> I think it's really cute and sweet. And so, oh dear, um, oh interesting. Okay, yeah, I actually think they did a good job of this. There's um, the part that really impressed me was, and this so this isn't like the episode that got it back on the um, charts, but um, one of the episodes that really spoke to me or i i mean at least like i really connected with the protagonist in this regard is that um the girl yamada she wasn't paying attention and so someone threw a basketball her way and she didn't catch it in time so it smacked at her in the face and so 
Um, and so she, basically her nose starts to bleed. And the problem is she's also a model on, she does modeling gigs on the side. And in like a few days she had a modeling gig. So now that her nose is kind of like, it's not broken, but it's definitely hurt um, uh, to the point where it wouldn't just heal instantly. Uh, she can't do the modeling gig anymore. And so she was calling her mom and crying about it because first of all ouch it hurts her nose is literally bleeding and then uh but then to being feeling a little scared slash frustrated with herself that she let this happen and then scared that you know she's disappointed her mom in some way and stuff like that and um and basically the main character he uh Ichikawa he heard her crying and he like started crying himself and he was really surprised by that and I was like that is such like a pure form of like just empathy in that moment where it just it hurt him to know that she she really felt bad about something that had happened and then later um later when he like caught her like crying by herself again and like hiding that fact um he purposefully left a bunch of like tissues on the tables of the library and at first he was just going to leave one for her because he was like that way like you know I just like that way she'll know that you know she can cry here alone and I won't be here and um and it's not an issue at all you know sort of thing but then he was like wait maybe it's like too obvious if I leave like a pack of tissues at like her spot that she usually sits at the library so he was like I I'll just leave one at like every table so it looks like a restaurant <laughs> instead um perfect yeah and obviously she knew exactly who put the tissues out and stuff and instead of crying now she thinks it's cute and funny and so um and instead she uses it to wipe her fingers from her snack eating and stuff like that but I like I just that moment really sold me because I'm like that's such a like pure moment of kindness like he's not expecting anything from her it's not like those typical um where I mean typical things that girls have grown used to where the guys do something nice because they expect something in return or anything like that it was just purely he cared about her he felt really bad because she felt really bad. He wanted her to feel better. And so he left out those tissues and they were kind of weird in regards to his idea. But ultimately, all he cared about was hopefully she'll feel more comfortable now. And she did. And so and, I, and so that episode basically sold me. And now I'm really enjoying the anime. So <laughs> Yeah, but like what episode? I think that's really good. But like my question is like, what episode is it? Because it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take this wonderful positive thing that you've said and turn it into like the negative like oh I promise it gets good after this many episodes. I think that was episode three. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Very well. Three. I don't know. I used to try to watch three episodes of everything. I used to try to give everything the three episode test, and then I realized that I have uh, too much going on, so it's got to grab me in like the first one or two episodes. Yeah, the first episode was sort of like the first two episodes was really just establishing their characters but then the third episode i feel like really shows the root of who ichikawa the main character really is inside and unsurprisingly and like after he did such a kind gesture now yamada is like very openly flirting with him is clearly like trying to give him hints that she's interested in him and i'm like of course she's interested in him now <laughs> like he did something 
being genuinely so selfless without expecting anything in return. And in particular, she knows because the first two episodes have already hinted that she being a stunning beauty, like good enough to essentially already be a model in middle school. She is unfortunately very uncomfortable with men and boys looking at her because she's gotten used to that sort of gaze. And so part of why she likes to um, hang out with Ichikawa, even though Ichikawa doesn't understand at all because he's like, you know, because he's because he's trying to be edgy and like trying to be a loner, but she keeps like disrupting his like whole mask and his whole atmosphere because of that but it's also because he's trying so hard to be edgy that he doesn't look at her that way like everyone else does but then after that episode it's like oh now like now she's like totally bought into him as a person so she's like openly flirting with him and I'm like yeah I get it girl like I get why you're flirting with him now so um so that's definitely like, uh, so that's definitely one thing that I was surprised about is actually really liking the show now. But yeah, anyway, the whole list, I think I, I, I enjoy all of them, literally. Let's see. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued that you were like the first six and then you mentioned the seventh one. Cause I know Nick, I think you wanted to talk about this a little bit. Is, yeah. Uh, Cause I just wanted Nick to know more about friend. Insomniacs after school. Yeah. Our mutual friend was, was really, really big on Insomniacs after school. And I thought that was kind of interesting going into it. Um, and we're just going to try to questions of just like what kind of the main, um, it's the, it's the, some, one of my friends says it's really good. So now I guess I got to watch it. It is pretty good. Yep, yeah. Pretty I, much. the last episode was amazing. The last episode was definitely that last, the best episode that the series has so far. Um, hands down without question in that regard, but insomniacs after school is also pretty good. Uh, funnily enough, the thing I like most about insomniacs after school is actually the character design, which I know sounds weird because in many ways they seem simple, but, the I think the thing is, for me, the girls are drawn so realistically. They they look so real compared to other like anime girls like I grew up seeing. I'm not complaining yeah. about that either. Obviously, like about uh, not complaining about the other anime girls with their only wearing one outfit the entire show. Well, yeah. no, 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 not even that. It's just like I'm not complaining about other anime girls who are all really skinny, you know, with the with the large with the nice curves or they're just like sticks and stuff like that. Like I I'm not complaining about that because obviously I'm also looking at unrealistic anime guys in return, but this like but the character design for all the students in this anime is just so down to earth and actually have body shapes that are just people that I see every day and people I go to school with and stuff that I'm like, I, I, I love it. Like, it's weird that I haven't seen it until now, like an entire cast of characters like that. But now that I've seen it, I'm like, it sticks out in all the best ways because of that. So, yeah, <laughs> it's people shaped people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> The, fu- the funny fact is, like, I would say the same about Skip and Loafer, but not necessarily on the appearances, but more just, like, on their personalities and how they interact mm. with each other. It's, like, yeah. it's, like, something I think is so refreshing in a show like that is where the, um, the, like, how the friend groups are made, how they're talking, like, what they're thinking. It's just, like, it's so organic with it that, like, you don't really have as many of the tropes of, like, this person's being antagonistic for kind of no reason or and like like, kinda go, like it, it all makes like, oh. yeah <laughs> like i am here to steal the guy and you're like like you you see bits of that kind of like in, in like some of the early episodes but then you're like you kind of realize like oh this isn't they're, they're not actually trying to be like it's a shoujo manga like there, there are other reasons and there's more um there's like more organic reasons like why they would all still kind of hang out and be friends rather than being like openly antagonistic and i think it like 
reacts and breathes in such a nice flow. Mm-hmm. Um, some shows it's different. Where like some some of the shows were like when they get like that certain level of crazy, it like doesn't doesn't make as much sense for me. Because like my hot take on crazy characters, like with with like Demon Slayer, it's like they're a little bit more caricaturized. I think each of the the Hashira, I think, are like kind of nuts in their own right. For, for, for good reason, but it's not like, oh, this is not a show I'm necessarily watching to see great characters interacting from there. It's more like seeing their, their ideals playing out. Yes, in yes, I agree with that completely. And, and even with that being said, I like I think it's easier to excuse their more ridiculousness because, I mean, as the as the episodes go by and you meet more of the Hashiras and understand them more, you're like, oh, their lives are like... They're they're all extraordinarily traumatized people who have latched on to a particular trait to basically mentally and emotionally survive, which I do think, funnily enough, Tanjiro picked up specifically with Rengoku in the Mugen Train movie, because there's that one part where, like, Rengoku's all, like, you know, uh, endlessly optimistic and stuff, but his eyes are dead, and he's just, like, staring off to nowhere, and Tanjiro's like, is he even looking at me? Where is he, like, where is he looking? Yeah. So, um, like, if he, do, if he, like, questions it at all, he's gonna, he's gonna break down. Like, he, he's, like, one one spilled ice cream away from just absolutely losing it on this train right, right now. Cause, like, cause, and, I, and it was purposeful because at the end when, you know, he dies and he's come to peace that everything is over for him, like, that's when his eyes start to look like he's looking at you. <laughs> like, he's not yeah, exactly. off, which is a mm-hmm. far off thing. But uh, that was just, like, one moment I thought was really funny and well done and, um, in regards to, like, a previous arc of Demon Slayer where it was just like, <laughs> um, well, is he even looking at me? <laughs> like, where is he looking at? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so, yeah, no, I agree with you. Skip and Loafer definitely has that distinction with the personalities, even if physical appearance is not quite there because we got beauties in both girls and guys. Um, and then, and then, but in Insomniacs After School, I think some of, I mean, like, some of the characters are really grounded and realistic. Some of them, you can tell, are fitting into a particular trope. But still, the entire cast of students just looking like humans and just people that I would see on a street any day, I'm like, wow. And saying that I haven't seen one, like, uh, an anime of an entire cast like this before. Like, genuinely, this is my first. And congrats to the character designer for that. Because I still think these characters look great. Like, the girl still looks really cute. And... I think the main character honestly looks quite handsome still, but it still feels much more real in regards to the way they design. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll definitely be giving that show. I'll be checking that out on the uh, on the train ride. Plan it all out. Who needs sleep when you could be watching anime? Am I right? Um, <laughs> it's true. Yep. Anyway, so before we get into uh, our our kind of main topic, there's a. Uh, we are technically a news site. We do news. I like to do news. So we have. Some news, which is a recent launch of uh, of two different manga apps at the, like the same time, which already is kind of like whoa. So anyway, the first one is is um, K Manga, which is done by it's it's Kodansha's um, service, and then the other one that got announced at about the same time uh, is Viz Media. And so there's been some rumbling online about the two different, uh, the two different services. Uh, 
I have I haven't used either of them, so I'm not gonna like opine on it myself yet. Uh, but there's there's generally a, a a sense of dissatisfaction from a lot of American users in terms of the the model with with K manga, uh, and then also a little bit of of uh, I guess observations from american users of like wow viz certainly picked an interesting time to launch theirs too so uh are either of you kind of aware of of what's going on with that yes and i have many takes that are not necessarily the facts and opinions of anime trending (laughs) (laughs) or its associates because one is clearly way better than the other and it's not even like you could strip away like just which titles each of them have, and Viz offers a lot of pretty good, pretty good quality for just a quick pay. It's like it's not yeah. hard. I think like K K manga's model disgusts me. Like it, oh my it really, God. I that is like the nicest thing I can say because it's so weird. Like let's let's reiterate how. Do you want to pay for your money? Is it? It's just like a should be a subscription service of just pay X dollars for the usage and just get the application. Maybe they have somewhere in the day of digital distributions where you could just purchase a lot of these same physical copies. Yeah, buy online. an ebook. Like there's ebook copies of this stuff already, like in the marketplace. So with K manga's thing is like you have a free tier for a bunch of stuff a bunch of manga um but then it's like once you get past your free daily limits or trying to read like more recent chapters oh, they're doing it the webtoon version that's how webtoons are um like on just online web it's comics. so weird because it's like it's not even like like a pay for a tier access it's using like a ticket system so it's like it's like imagine using like a gacha game or like a premium currency which like funny money in order to pay for your thing. And so you can get the, the tickets either um, like you get it like once a day for a daily thing, or you can like purchase the tickets or you access it using points, which is a completely different tier of funny money. It's not even like a tickets. It's like a points. Um, so like the point system roughly translates to about a dollar is equal to a hundred points. But the reason why they're doing this is to kind of circumvent a lot of, like, App Store uh, requirements because they're having to purchase through their website to be purchasing points instead of purchasing for, like, whatever tier system thing. So it's kind of like a result of, like, all of the weird um, App Store distribution. But then if you do the calculation of, like, if you just want to read, like, one or two shows, it's, like, the cost is so much more expensive than just, like, purchasing the physical copies already. Yeah, there was, there was a tweet that I saw that was, like, all right, this is how much it costs to buy every currently available English copy of Renter Girlfriend, and this is how much it costs to read every single, like, the same number of chapters on K-Manga, and it's, like, $30 more to read it on the app than it is to buy some books. Yeah, and, and that goes into, like, some people might be principled of saying, like, the fact that it is an online system means you don't really, you don't have ownership of the manga that you're reading. So, like, K-Manga, if not enough people sign up for this service, I mean, K-Manga could just crash, burn out, like, just go offline, and then you don't have access to that service in the, in the future. Like, no different than, like, 
don't know, your favorite gotcha game that used to put a bunch of money in went down, and everything, everything, every money you spent in it is now Shout sunk. out to everybody that um, played Princess Connect, uh, the English server that closed, like, three weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> I have a friend that was... I didn't know. I mean, there, there's a there's a bunch of gotcha games that have crashed and burned. That happens, and it's like people get burned Maji out. On record that, and it's like like eight eight months. Rest in peace. And so it's like that's the part that's so frustrating. Where it's like, all right, you have to do these things to get points. There's like little quests they'll give you to like do more points. I'm kind of just I just want to read my manga. You know, it's like I'm kind of like grumpy. I want to sit in my little cafe and just like read my book and what not have cats? to like. What? Cat cafes are multiple fine, yeah, cats. Hopefully, I'm in a place with good vibes and rainy weather. So it's like rainy weather, some, some quiet piano jazz in the background, a nice cappuccino. Yeah, smooth jazz. In that too. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's why it's like just just off of the monetization thing. It's like this is this is too expensive and too nickel and dimey for like what the service is trying to be because at the end of the day the biggest problem we have with manga distribution is the fact that like there's plenty of customers that just want to purchase like the manga and support the industry in whatever way they can um and then there's the other subset that's just competing with the free pirate websites that are just all out there that's like you're making it so complicated that you have the competitor that you're trying to shut down this like the free services that maybe take like two clicks to get to the thing that you want to see and so it's like i just don't understand why you're trying to inconvenience the consumer base that hard in order to sell the stuff at a much higher price it's it's like i don't understand who's gonna yeah. do this because like i, I just feel it's, like it's not convenient enough like there's there, there's like a there's a spectrum of like convenience and then like i'll say like principles Con- convenience and like even yeah. cost is like i i don't even say principles it's just like is this is this easy to use or hard to use and i would say kmong is hard to use because you're just trying to figure out how much money you have based off of the points and the thing and yeah. the like 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 you're making like economic decisions whether or not you want to start this the, the premium chapters of a, of a manga that you just started, or if you're just going to wa- read the free version because you only have so many tickets or points before you actually start having to pay uh, more money in this case. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, and it's also more expensive too. So it's like harder to use and more expensive. Um, yeah. So it's the worst of both worlds. Yeah. I'm, I'm viewing this uh, and I'm comparing it to like, yeah, everyone is immediately comparing it to Viz's model which is it's two dollars or two bucks or two ninety nine uh two dollars um and it it gets you access to like a bunch of basically not like every single one but there's you know like at least 15 titles that are being offered for the first time there's over 10,000 chapters available i think there's a chapters per day limit i'm not entirely sure i'm basing that off of a very similar service which is um the shonen jump app I think it's the Shonen Jump app is also like $2 a month or it's like $3 a month and it has a bunch of different stuff and that that does limit you but it's 100 chapters a day. Like that is not a small amount of chapters. Uh even at 100 chapters a day, you can like even with that limit, it still takes you less than a week to well, maybe more than a week at this point, but when I when I picked it up, it took me a basically a week to get totally caught up on One Piece. Uh and that is not a short series. Um, <laughs> I was about to say <laughs> I, I I did not do very much else uh, I was not in school and so 
This is like, and and Nick will understand this. Uh, I was given, I was I was given by a source some some scans. Um, I, I I was given access to read an English translation of of Steel Ball Run, and I read it in twenty four hours. <laughs> um, which which was like me starting to read it in the morning and then like finishing it at five a.m. the next day. <laughs> um, but I I think, you know, the two the two dollars a month thing is is probably viz very much like either this is going to be kind of a loss leader that gets people interested in a series so that when like for example a higher price kind of like premium box set or like fancy cover version comes out folks that have now read it for that low price are now interested in buying the nice book cover or whatever for a little bit extra money that's possibly one way of doing it or they're just planning on like getting it through sheer volume because once you have like the thing with digital distribution is it costs the same amount to make it for one person as it does to make it for a million people. I mean, plus or minus server cost, but like, um, it's, it's pretty it's, it, the, the, the yeah. um, marginal cost is, is basically zero. Like for each additional person, the additional cost is like none. Um, and so that might be how they're doing it. But the way that I'm viewing this specifically is because the word subscription keeps coming up. And I remember when I was younger, Back when Shonen Jump produced an English copy of the of the magazine, it came instead of being weekly though it came out once a month. So instead of like having one chapter, it was like a month's worth of chapters all translated at once. So I would back when I was like in middle school, um, I would save up my my quarters and dollars or whatever. And this was not a this was not like a this was not a cheap magazine. It was like six bucks, but it was also you know this fat magazine that came with like 20, 25 chapters of manga. Uh, and I would save up, you know, my, my nickels and quarters and dollars from, from doing like various odd jobs. Uh, and, you know, once a month I would go down and I would buy my copy of the Shona Jump magazine. And then one, after I'd saved up enough birthday and Christmas monies, I bought a year's subscription and, oh, I couldn't wait for that magazine to come in the mail. I realize now as I'm describing this, that I am basically talking like my parents used to talk about their childhoods. And I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. <laughs> Um, but you know, I would, I, back, back in, in your my day, day, I would pay money, real money and a block of paper would show up in the mail at my house and I would read, you know, manga. And so that was how the two ways that I interacted with reading was either through a subscription where a magazine came to my house every month or through the purchasing of physical books. And while there are a lot of different options when it comes to digital distribution, I don't think you have to necessarily change that original formula too much. You can sell eBooks and you can sell subscriptions. Um, you know, the, one of the things that people being like, Oh, but if, if there's a subscription, people can just like download it and then give it to other people for free. And I'm like, I would loan my friends, my magazine. I do not see the difference. Um, you know, it's, it's not that it's not that different. So I think once you move out of the two, um, those two distribution channels of like selling, the book, whether it be digital or physical, or selling, you know, essentially a magazine, whether it be physical or digital, that's when you start getting into kind of this unfamiliar territory. And I think that inherently makes a lot of people like a little bit reserved about like going in on it. And then as Nick mentioned, when you combine it with that kind of like, gotcha game, um, paid, I don't want to say like pay to win, because it's like, what is this a competition? But like, it's not pay to win. It's just weird. Like it's 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 like, microtransaction. It's, it's hiding the cost is. in different ways. You're like, why does it cost this much to do the thing? Because the main. So you you actually had an interesting point with the um 
with talking about the English version of Shonen Jump relative to just the, the weekly Japanese release was that in the past, I mean, it's no different because manga distribution usually had to have a wait between English releases yeah. when the Japanese version was already out. Um, and so that's honestly been one of the biggest reasons why we've had piracy in the past for this for manga is because the second the new chapter is released um, in Japanese, you have a lot of fan translation groups that are trying to get, get those, on it as quickly um, as possible because they want to be the first people. Get on it as quickly as possible. And so that's where the main money is, is where you're trying to like if you're a new, um, not Japanese speaker trying to like wait for like the next um like the next chapter of a series that you're following to come out. Like, I mean, the wait could be so much longer um, depending on like your series. Um, and there, ha there have been some cases where some series might not necessarily be translated over. So, um, or you have to wait like a really long time. Like I know right now with legal um, distribution, I know still ball runs not out yet at all. It's kind of like getting timed with the, um, with, but I mean, they're getting on it. But the point is that some people might not have all that time to wait, and so like I, don't, I honestly see this as kind of a way to make it easier for digital distribution to get newer released manga in like international markets. Yeah, quicker. and there's definitely um, some series that I'm reading uh, through the Manga Plus app at the moment um, that I, um, I don't think there is a. Um, uh like any anybody that's doing scans of it or if there are like a lot and this is something that's that's interesting and i think this is very good for for those groups that are principled enough to do it which is um a lot of times if there's a group that's doing like those fan translations uh once they find out something's actually been licensed in the language that they're doing the translations for they'll drop it and just be like pick it up on, on the official thing um which is like you know on their on on their part pretty good but like, uh, there's a series, uh, Akane Banashi, which is about a, a female, uh, a high school, a high schooler that wants to, a, a girl, high school girl that wants to be a, a Rakugoka, um, that I'm like, I, I didn't know about it until I was like checking it out on the Manga Plus app. And so like that, I think having everything all in one place like that, um, in like this official app is also great for getting exposure to the to series that I think otherwise people wouldn't see. Because I, I will admit, like, some of these manga scan aggregation sites, it is like drinking from a fire hose. You have to kind of know what you want ahead of time. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just going to get totally lost. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's like people who have been reading enough manga, like, know kind of like their way around the spots. But it's like, there's a magic number between $2 and $100 that people probably pay. Um, and two dollars is a pretty is a good steal. deal. Like, like I, if if um, I not, oh oh, Viz Manga, if you are listening, um, don't take this as advice. Uh, I would, I wouldn't. I think a lot of people would still pay even like upwards of like five dollars. Um, if if there's enough uh content there, uh, and it's getting updated as frequently as it should be, then like yeah, five dollars I think is not out of the realm of possibility. Magazine subscriptions can run about that much. Yeah, the thing is, like, the app just launched, and, like, the, this is the one thing that, like, people love Kodansha work. I mean, that's the thing. It's, like, it's 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 not like K-Manga has a bad manga, like, list of oh, it's got material to look at. It's, it's, it's literally just because the pricing is so ridiculous that it's, like, 
people just aren't willing to pay for it. And it's just like, it makes sense that, that like by the time this episode airs, maybe they just change it all be like, okay, forget it. Let's do $5 a month or something. <laughs> just like I would, $5 a I month. Be so proud Let's forget about it. Oops. Uh, because it's, it's just a wild, it's just a wild system that someone had to do to like justify their, their job or something in Kodansha. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm so sorry for this person for inventing the worst thing ever. Yeah. Anyway, on to other things. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm mainly like, I'm sure we have other thoughts about it, but I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, I promised Gracie we'd talk about yeah, we, what's we making it miserable. Go. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to, a Vinland Saga, a series I haven't that watched, but yet we'll transition. have to participate in. Well, <laughs> I, look, I've never really been... <laughs> You gotta stop saying like I haven't watched this. I haven't watched this. It's like okay, by, well, by the, like maybe it's easier to just cap like okay, what, what has James watched? Actually, watched? I have watched because that way I can give you my talking points. So it's like yeah, no, um, I'm well, influencing I, I, yeah, I, I realized after you pointed out what a terrible transition that was. Um, I, I was gonna like follow up as well. Like, I had a follow up slightly more topical, which is I'm going to be uh, some guests that are that some. Sorry, let me rephrase that. At Anime Central, there are guests. Some of the guests are staff that have worked or are currently working on. Well, not currently working on because they will be in the U.S. for this. Uh, but have worked on Vinland Saga. And they are going to be talking about Vinland Saga. And there's going to be some panels and some interviews. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, and I hope to be able to bring as much of that back to the podcast and specifically to Gracie. Because in our group chats about a week ago, Gracie was like, this show is I'm so sad. <laughs> There's a comment anyway. I feel strongly towards, which was actually done onto your Eternities episode, but I felt as strongly with Vinland Saga, where they're like, throws desk, you know, F this. F this for hurting me the way that they do. Don't stop. <laughs> so, five out of five. <laughs> so, that's exactly <laughs> how I felt about, like, everything that's happened. So. This is, like, an emotional version of people that like spicy food because it hurts them. That's true. It's like it's I'm gonna order the hot wings because it's gonna it's gonna. I ate so much of it. So. The key word to that is anymore. That's true as well. Eventually, you get used to it. Yeah. Um, no, Vinland so Saga anyway, is just. What's going on in Vinland Saga? Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Okay. So, Vinland Saga has slowly been building up to this point, but I always thought that this was probably the most powerful thing of what the story is trying to say. And why it just like it, it just does such a good job of contextualizing things in the past, but absolutely not forgetting them for what it is. And so, uh, wait, I guess, Nico, are you caught up or do you mind if I go into spoilers? Because this is pretty big spoilers. You, you can go into some of this stuff because the thing is, is that from my perspective, from the first half of season two I've watched is that it's pretty idealistic. It seems like things are working out, but there's so much struggle. There's so much struggle. They're gonna they're gonna go live on the farm. They'll they'll be free of war and turmoil. It's oh, it's gonna be great. Like you're giving me some real love by some men and vibes. My, it's like they're gonna they're gonna pet the rabbits. Yeah, um, yeah tell them about the rabbits. It's <laughs> Bang. <laughs> so so like i guess in my heart i was like i know that there's something something looming there but it's the thing that like i think makes it really sad to me is knowing like it, like 
the time that Thorfinn is spending on the farms, um, living as a slave is kind of recontextualizing um, towards his whole reason for leaving the the warrior right. life behind. Yeah. It's like he's trying to find something for himself, trying to build something there, and it's like at its core, like being a warrior is mm-hmm. not glorious as it is. Um, and with Thorfinn spending his whole life on in a war, it's 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 like trying to find his own purpose. Um, because it's like you see him so broken from the beginning of season right. two. His from, character development um, is definitely important, but I think a theme that can't be forgotten that this is where ultimately the story has very slowly been building up to is the evil behind the institution of slavery, which I know sounds so weird because people are going to be like, well, yeah, slavery sucks and it, it's the worst. But I, I think the story and the anime actually did a better job. I want to note this. Like the author himself, Yukimura Sensei has said that he is endlessly blown away by how they not only take his material, but they expand it. They put in more things and contextualize it in a way that even he hadn't been able to contextualize in the manga. And so, um, and that's something that, you know, James, because I asked about it in the questions, you know, I asked about those story editions and stuff. Um, But specifically the the way that they portray the the evil the evils behind the institution of slavery i think is brilliant through the use of katil because katil by all standards of that time is considered a good like quote-unquote good and a quote-unquote kind owner like literally the first impression we have of him when he buys anar uh, anar is he goes to anar and he first asks for anar's name he he doesn't ask he's not looking at him like livestock like all the other people who are looking at the slaves are instead he goes up to him and he's just like oh what's your name where do you come from um you know what did you used to do and then when he finds when anar said that you know he used to work on a farm with his family uh katil lights up and he goes well what do you say anar do you want to work on my farm like it's immediately it's like you meet this man and he's focusing on anar as a person he's not looking him as livestock like all the other guys we've seen and then throughout the season so far what we've also seen is that he likes working the field with the people so a lot of the slaves even like him because of the fact that he works with them very actively. Um, the kids who work on the field, they're, um, they basically just tag along to do small things like, oh, I brought some water or stuff like that, but they have a fun time with him. And then um, and then from the very get-go, the first thing he tells Anar is that, hey, uh, I want you to know that I am letting you work for your freedom. Like, yes, I bought you, but I'm really more interested in expanding the farm. So once you've like, you know, Technically, by working, you're quote unquote paying off your debt to me, and I will, you know, let you go, no strings attached. And um, and at a certain point in the story, in fact, he even went ahead and decided to um, go ahead and push up the date and be like, actually, I'm not even gonna wait for you guys to quote unquote earn back that money that I spent spending on you guys because the crops haven't grown yet. Like once once you guys are just done with this particular piece of land, you guys are free. I, I'm I'm letting you guys go. And you guys have an option to either work for me and I'll pay you a stipend for it or you guys can go wherever you want. And so everything we've seen of Katil for that standard of time period is very much a quote unquote good person. But then the most recent episode really nails down the fact that it really doesn't matter 
out on how good of a person he is. Because as long as he has that power to own over someone's life and their liberty, that automatically makes him bad. Because that means he gets to decide if he ends up getting into a bad day of any sort, he can do whatever the F he wants to them. And it comes at no repercussions to him. And and this is ultimately like what led to the part that like tore me inside because throughout the series, we meet uh, Arnaz, who is a young slave lady that essentially Katil is sleeping with. So you can safely say that, you know, it's, you can safely say she can't consent to it because she's a slave and he owns her. But then people, I think, kind of will blur the lines and forget because when they do see him with her, he's treating her very well. You know, he's not like, you know, and I mean, we already see him that he treats his other slaves very well as well. And she's no different and stuff like that. And so I think people just kind of like blur the line and they're like, well, you know, and then and then on top of that, Arnaz doesn't seem to quote unquote, mind the fact that her master is showing her favor. And so people start making excuses for him or they kind of like sort of wipe away the situation, wave, hand wave away the situation where they're like, it's a different time back then and stuff like that. But this all comes really crashing down in the last few episodes because <clears throat> in the last few episodes, <clears throat> it turns out that her husband is still alive. Her husband was enslaved and in like a nearby farm and then snapped and killed the entire family like children wife like you know everybody and so and he's not really he's not mentally sane anymore to say the least the um the the torment he endured as a slave has already made him it's it's made him snap but the one thing that he is aware of is that he has a wife and his wife has also been enslaved and he wants to get her free because he wants to be with her again because they were married. They were husband and wife. And I don't think it comes as a surprise to know that Arnaz wants to go with her own husband. You know, like that's that's not going to come as a surprise for anyone. And it doesn't work. And the way that it did ended up not working, just ugh, like it, it just hurts me to this day. That was that was the episode where I was like, my eyes were to this day. It's been like two weeks. That, that was the episode where my eyes were just glued at the screen. And my roommate walked in. She was like, "Are you witch watching Villain Saga?" And I was just like, I, I, I just started falling. I just couldn't look back any longer. <laughs> she recognizes but then other moments he's like a rage killing machine who does not hesitate to kill anyone in like the most brutal manner which is very scary for her as well and um and it was just sad because when he actually when her husband actually started dying 
um he it seemed like he went to he just somehow snapped back because he's already not stable so he snapped back to his original self and we meet the man who we know is her husband and it's this very polite like kind man um you know he asked uh, this he asked he was just he like turned to twerfing and he was just like oh hello sir um is this your cart do you mind if we borrow it and stuff like that and twerfing is just in shock because everything that he's seen of arnaz's husband has been like a, a feral person practically and um and the husband or Torfi was like, oh, it's actually not my cart. And um, and the old man um, who is Katil's father actually says, like, that's my cart, but you can you don't even need to borrow it. Go ahead and have it. And Arne's husband's like, oh, thank you, sir. I I won't forget this kindness and stuff. And it's like this moment where you're like, this is who this man once was and how slavery has completely tore apart his identity and soul. And then um. And then it's also the fact that Arnaz, despite, like, everything, all the suffering she's gone through, is still not allowed to be with her husband because Katil owns her. And then, um, <clears throat> and then in the next episode, Katil, the kind owner, the owner who offers everyone freedom, the owner who, look, when he buys his slaves, sees them as humans, asks for their names, and treats them well, and, and works the field with them and stuff, comes back and beats her half to death because he can because he owns her and i think that like that whole build up up until that moment of all the good things we've seen of katil like just tilting over in that one second is really just a reminder that it really doesn't matter all the actions the good actions he's been doing throughout the second season what matters is he has that power of owning a person and that by himself makes him dangerous and bad. And that by itself is the problem of the entire institution of slavery. And I thought it just did such a good job of nailing that in. I We're so used to seeing, and I talked about this with Agnes too because she watches it with me, is that we're so used to seeing when we see stories of like slavery is bad, we always see like a bad owner, like a, an incredibly cruel and evil owner. And while those people definitely exist without question, it's easy to sort of write it off inherently to be like, well, that was a terrible person rather than what about the institution? What about the entire methodology itself? But then in this case, I feel like you can't make that argument anymore because everything we've seen before this, he has been a good person. In fact, there was one part where he was even pushing back against his own retainers his retain like these kids they <clears throat> these kids they stole stuff from him and he wanted to just let the kids go because he empathized with those kids those kids his father had disappeared so they lost they lost the main person who was making money for them and they were starving and so Katil felt a lot of empathy and was like is there a way we can just let them go and stuff and all the men around him are like going no you can't you have like a duty to show your power and you have like a duty to show that you can't be messed with and stuff and it bothered Katil a lot but it doesn't matter because he's still engaging in the system and <clears throat> and I think that's what makes like everything up until that point so brilliant and also heartbreaking so <laughs> um yeah, <laughs> that's my whole spiel of Endless Saga, and I'm so jealous that you get to meet the people responsible for making me feel numb for like two weeks in a row, <laughs> so...
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, I was about to say there's nothing stopping you, and I'm like, no, there are a few things stopping yes, you from coming up and, and attending yourself. Uh, yeah. That was that was a lot. I mean, I think that that was a really great way of, I think, describing the whole situation. I, I like it because, um, uh, just hearing about it, because I know, and I should probably, let me... I don't want to say that, like, America is unique in this exception. It's just that because the our country basically ripped itself in half because of slavery, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot more emphasis placed on it, both in terms of, like, Southern revisionism, as well as just, you know, every U.S. history class has to cover, cover the Civil War. And whether or not things are being, you know, tra- tra- literally whitewashed um, or not, there is, it, slavery has to come up. Uh, there's no, there's no two ways about it, and so I think a lot of um, Americans have like maybe a different frame of reference in terms of like the the general view of slavery, as opposed to like outside the United States, where perhaps you know slavery was abolished earlier, and so there's not as much of a, um, not as much of a uh, like cultural zeitgeist about it. Um, or just like the kind of slavery is different. Uh, there was this is something that gets brought up uh, a lot um, in a, in a, a war podcast I listened to about uh, military blunders, uh, where it's like it's like and this so and so had like this many slaves in their army, and then like there has to be this reminder to all the American viewers is that like slavery three hundred years ago, four hundred years ago was different than like the slavery that you learn about in school because it is not like the like african slave trade chattel slavery it was still bad like let's not mince words this it has it is bad was bad always has been bad but like it the fact that there needs to be kind of that that reminder to a lot of different cultures and while you know anime is made in japan and the originally for you know printed in japanese for like for example the manga that's being produced it is now a worldwide phenomenon people all over the world watch this and so it is an excellent way to distribute that kind of information no i agree because Um, yeah especially because like i was just gonna say like the big message is the fact that there aren't any good there are no good owners and like that 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 might be like a hard message for some people if they're thinking okay maybe if i was in this situation i'd be empathetic but it's like the fact oh you know what nico there has been there's so many there has been discourse for over 24 hours non-stop of a lot of oh my gosh no twitter's Uh, a mistake unfortunately All men, I hate to say it, but all men who have been arguing saying like, but we've seen him how he is before. So this isn't really him after he beat Arnaz. Yeah, no, it, it's it's the thing is like the quiet part is that the slaves in on the farm, they're too scared to say like they would rather be somewhere else right now. This is preferable to dying. It's obviously preferable to being treated like yes. horribly, but it's like there's still a lot of elements of their humanity that's stripped out. If it wasn't like already apparent that like the retainers, um, not necessarily the head honcho guy, but like the retainers under underneath him treat them like like less than human, um, it's the sort of thing that comes from the top because they answer to their lord at at. Um, What's his name? You just you said it a million Katil. times. His name Katil. Katil, because he he's the one who's essentially the cause of like like that. That could have been something that could be 
started from the top, but it like it goes even beyond Katil because like it's not even Katil's fault. It's like the the actual system itself that allows like a human being to do this to another human being is what sets exactly exactly but Um, oh my gosh you would be surprised of the arguments that men have been making in favor uh, of like this isn't like him he just had like you know it's like his world has shattered he had a bad day that's why it's like like, that's the thing is like you don't get the right to do that to someone else just because you have a bad day and someone pointed that out trying to forgive because they're like it doesn't matter if you know um, you lost your job and then you got humiliated or et cetera. And then you go home and you beat your wife. You still beat your wife. You're a domestic abuser, you know? So, and they're just like, like, you can't, you can't do it that way, but it's like hitting. It, it's strange how much in denial some of these viewers are about what has happened and about what the, what the author is very very explicitly saying out in words so <laughs> yeah exactly because it's not even like it's a like it's not subtle like in, in the messaging it's that's why it's like i find that so strange to me where like i think we've talked about this before in the past about the finland saga fans who just like the action parts who who do think this is like the slowest part of the manga but then if you go back in the beginning of the story it's like the very first thing that Thor's does, I think, as a character, is that he's the only one in the in the in the town that's treating the escaped slave like, like he a human he being. sacrificed and half like, his the his the rest just to free the slave, yeah, yeah, j- just to free him or take care of him. And it's the fact that like his family doesn't understand like what like what like why are you doing this? It's kind of like the like that's kind of like the big lesson that I think that Thorfinn is like learning throughout the whole. Um, series and it's it's kind of again a good way for him to um look back on the things that his father was trying to teach him before he had to go to a, like an entire life of war and suffering and like doing this because because it also is like a byproduct of the fact that like every place that they're pillaging inevitably brings the horrors of slavery oh my gosh there Nico, as well which is that's where einar is line from torfing where he explicitly says the line between warrior and slave trader is almost non-existent. He says that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. It's almost like I, uh, I should get caught up. <laughs> I have reading comprehension. Yay. You, you've already predicted it because Torfing has already said that part out loud. <laughs> yes. There we go. Yes! <laughs> you can reward yourself. It's not a very appropriate time to cheer, though, but, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a... I'm I'm correct about but this that, terrible that's, thing. That's the point I'm trying to say is, like, guys, this is the whole... This has been the beginning of the series, like, for so long, and it's such a human thing to try to, like, find a place that is, like, untouched by war, untouched by slavery, where you have your own autonomy to do the stuff. It's, like, it's like the most human journey that they're trying to get towards um it's very much just like i want to sit here and feed my birds and not have to worry about anything yeah no it's uh, yeah there yeah uh, there's a lot um i am glad i don't have to interact with that discourse i think i get too wound up about it (laughs) yeah i figured i feel like you would just get really angry james knowing how you are (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i should be like flattered that you agree with me or a little bit hurt that you think i'm the person that gets upset that easily like you're not wrong but still it's more like 
when you start feeling passionate about something, you go from like zero to 200 very, very, very quickly. You're like fire when that happens. Oh my. <laughs> or it's like he's passionate and like someone is very adamant about something that he's wrong. It's like that. That's where it's like you can't you can't be you can be you can wrong, be wrong, but you can't but be confident and wrong. Confident and wrong about something that I know I'm right about. <laughs> I don't know if I'm putting too no, many that words. Is, that is that is a hundred percent what it is. So that's, that's why that's why I have to like learn to pick my battles because I, I get also, too invested in a lot of stuff. I was also thinking how you, James, were saying like you know you feel like this is important in context for like the rest of the world who wouldn't have as like deep of a connection with it as like for example in the u.s here where we literally like you said try to rip each uh rip ourselves apart over slavery so um and we never really put ourselves back together let's be perfectly honest yeah it's uh yeah, it's, it's like with band-aids is the best way i could put it so um but basically what i was saying is that it actually reminds me of how, you know, a lot of Black Americans who are fans of anime have pointed out the sort of awkwardness they feel with watching Isekai and how often they use slavery in there that's done in a very shallow, disrespectful, and overall just not great way. And yeah. a lot of other anime fans from overseas absolutely do not understand why Black American anime fans would have any sort of problem with it. And I distinctly remember this because Kim, so Frog Coon, on Twitter actually made a tweet about it, specifically addressing her Australian followers and was like, hey, Australians, I know that we might feel a little more detached to this because we didn't have literal buying people on a market situation with them wrapped in chains and advertising them like you're advertising a product or a situation happened in our history. But this is a very real thing that you might feel like feels so ridiculous that it's fantastical when in reality it is very much a real thing that happened in other countries and it's a very serious thing whose implications are still felt today by those descendants and so of course they are going to take this a lot more seriously than you guys are capable of understanding it and I want you guys to have some context of it before you guys start jumping on and being like you know you guys are being too sensitive and stuff and that tweet really stood out to me because the the idea that I wouldn't be able to understand why it's problematic it, it, I couldn't fathom it because I grew up in the US and so seeing that tweet I was just like oh so like this is this is an actual thing an actual thing where people overseas feel so detached from this that they genuinely just see it as something fantastical rather than a very real life thing with real life repercussions happening today and so I thought that was really interesting and that's what it also reminded me of when you mentioned that James <laughs> yeah it's 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 interesting I, I that I know that it can lead to a lot of like surprise and i guess cultural shock and sometimes a little bit of disconnect but i do love kind of see as long as things are resolved coherently and peacefully mind you i do love seeing that kind of situation happen where like two different people are learning about like the very like the gaps in each other's like historical knowledge just because the world is very big and history is very long and you only have so much that you can be taught in school so you're gonna focus on you know the history of mostly of the culture of of where you grew up and so there's gonna be stuff that slips through the cracks but then when you kind of look out you know zoom out a little bit you see how everything is connected 
Yeah, um, exactly. I'm also kind of chuckling a little bit because uh, I know that it's kind of rude to generalize Australia this way, but I do find it kind of funny that the country that was founded by a bunch of criminals getting shipped away from England uh, is gonna, like, be totally okay with basically the greatest crime ever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the other thing, I mean, they they also have had history too. It's like yeah. with um with Native Australians. Oh, we have the I, Aboriginal I don't want to talk people. Too much absolutely. on that. Oh, yeah, like that 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 is categories. like a subset of some of that stuff. There. And America I mean, has no leg to stand on when it comes to criticizing. I, I just think it'd be re- weird to be like, wait, you mean they didn't they didn't see the parallels with that? But uh, that's that's for a different, that's for a different topic, uh, and and that's for an offline slavery in East Timor is a completely different thing as well. I see it personally as a super lazy, um writing thing because it means that you can get around having a character that people would actually enjoy hanging out with well that is also just it's just like offensively bad because not only are you like not understanding like the the no-nos on that but it's also implying like that's the only way you can get companions the main character to like hang out with you especially if it's supposed to be like a self-insert character i'm just like, there's so much like there's so much tacit ickiness that like that sort of writing is like making you like 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 that's why i'm like i don't even want to touch it because it makes me feel like i'm supposed to agree with this just by reading it only because of like how they do the the self-insert part like that that's the thing that like oh my god that is like that'll get me to drop a series so i like my favorite isekai protagonist if they are male is like the dumb himbo archetype where they're like they're well-intentioned, but also completely hopeless. And some other person, just out of the goodness of their heart, is like, "Oh my god, this person's gonna die if I don't help them," and just like kind of adopts them into their circle of <laughs> friends. It it me, I'm helpless baby. <laughs> <laughs> like that that sort of like I don't I don't know. Or just like oh no, I found a person. I, I'm j- I am just characterizing you like completely wrong, James. Or maybe it's just right. I have no idea. We'll never I'm know like... because I'm never gonna get isekai. <laughs> I, but also, I agree with what you're saying. Like, in a weird way for me, isekai slavery has essentially become... It's really just another vehicle for anime sexism, in all honesty, than anything else. Because yeah, conveniently, like, the slaves are always, always women. It's always like a sexy lady. It's always women. There's not a single guy. Gee, I wonder why. And so... Um, so it's like so it's not it's not really that but admittedly it is still interesting to talk to black american like anime fans in fact i have one at my workplace at my day job that he accidentally discovered i was an otaku because i had said something about an anime and so he have he was you like, accidentally really, said the secret code word no but he, he recognized knew. it and he immediately like ran over and he wanted to talk to me about it because he didn't realize that um someone else in the office was watching these sort of things and so we talked about it and you know, he said, like, he does enjoy it because he thinks the stories are different. And obviously, the animation style is just very different compared to here in the U.S. And that's definitely what he likes the most when watching it as well. Um, but then he also noted he was just like, you know, he was like, their usage of slavery, though, in their stories. And I was like, oh, and I was like, I was like, I, I, I don't make the anime, but I apologize, <laughs> you know, for that. And he's just like, and he's like, it's just so fascinating because you really do get a sense that they have no idea what it was actually like and its effect on the world in that matter like he was like it's such a strange feeling 
And I was like, this is such an interesting perspective for me as well, listening that for that coming from him. So, um, so yeah, definitely. Hey guys, uh, if this is a, like, you know, if I may be a little preachy, like talk to other people from different countries and ethnicities about these sort of things. Cause they've definitely got some pretty important perspectives that they can share with you that really broadens your viewpoint of analyzing any sort of story. So yeah. Yeah. Talk with other people from other countries. You learn a lot. I know not everybody has the opportunity to do that necessarily, but the internet, this is one of the few things, that, like, few good things the internet did. Yes, for anyway, sure. Anyway. <laughs> uh, with that, I think we're a little bit over time, so, uh, does anybody have any closing remarks? No, but we do have a Discord that we can talk to plenty of people over. Yeah, you can talk to everybody <laughs> um, all over the world in our Discord. Um, I'll leave a link for that in uh, in the show notes. I'll leave a link to information about both K-Manga and the Viz Manga app in the show notes. Um, look forward to fantastic convention coverage coming out in the next couple of months. Yay. We're really excited, really looking forward to it. Um, and when we get more information about, uh, about what we're doing at conventions, aside from just coverage, uh, we will let you know. Uh, I think that's just about it. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, oh, right. Twitter handles. Uh, you can follow the podcast at, at Annie Trends Pod. Uh, you can follow me at, at Kono Chioda. Uh, Gracie, where can people find you? At Girotaku underscore 18. And you can find me at Nico the Neko on Twitter. I'm currently been screaming about the new Star Wars Jedi Survivor in like a good way. Not, not as bad as it's been um, in the past, but. It's been a really good time. And there's also new coverage on the new Star Wars uh, animation projects that I want to talk about in the future. So look forward to that. Yeah, look forward to Star Wars Vision stuff. All right. Uh, we will see you all next time, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.